This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics, your 40k podcast, which focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I'm your host, PD Pob, Pablo, the one, the only, and with me I have the number 10 ITC ranked player, actually number 10 as of right now, uh, Monday, January 2nd, he might jump up, or maybe not, depending on how months go, uh, James Carmona. Hey, what's going on, Pablo? I like how you said you're the one and only, except for the guy that you're named after, right? No, no, he is P.D. Pablo, right. and I am P.D. Pob. Pablo. No, I'm P.D. Pob. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. I should change it to P.D. Pobs. P- something. Do, do something. I have to be at least like you know, 30% different. Yeah, like I, I think you're right. It's just, you know, Reese, Reese called me that one time, and he kept calling me that, and then I was just kind of like, I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, I think he I put... Mean, Blake started calling me Meat Hands, and now I have like a bunch of people calling me that. I've, I have no idea why I got that name either. Well, Meat Hands, I don't know, man. Yeah, there it goes. <laughs> anyways. Uh, anyways, James Carmona, uh, the number 10 ITC ranked player. The reason why I have James on here is last week we had Brandon Grant, the number 2 ITC ranked player, and this week we're going to have James Carmona. Uh, basically, we are going to m- analyze the meta through the eyes of competitive players, players who have their eyes on the top spot in the LVO, possibly even winning the whole ITC. And so I'm going to be interviewing for the month of January, four or five players, depending on one who I've not asked yet, uh, players who I think are important to the competitive 40K community and who I think have a real shot at winning the entire thing. Well, thanks for that. Oh, I appreciate that. That's yeah, nice. man. You have a nasty list. My phrases. <laughs> All right. So we're going to ask you a series of questions uh, as it, as the pertaining to the 40K FAQ and 40K community and competitive 40K. And then you can just kind of go from there. First question. How did the GWFAQ, Traders Legion book, Wrath of Magnus book, and the Genestar Cult Codex affect your preparation for the LVO? Well... Okay, so first things first, the Trader Legion book um, ended up giving me a free 20 points to my Cyclopia Cabal. That's so that true. was kind of a big deal because my list was so shoehorned as it was. So actually, I did have um, a lot of opportunity at that point. It doesn't seem like a lot, but 20 points is enough that you can actually start moving things around. And with the advent of the new Brimstone Horrors, things like that, I mean, I was really able to, to change my list up. I'm comfortable doing that even this late in the game, simply because a lot of the components of the army are still going to work the same. Yeah. I saw the same capacity. It's just going to end up letting me be more prepared for some of the builds that I'm expecting. And so um, starting off with the most important one, in my opinion, is Gene Stealer Cult. Gene Stealer Cult has a way of using movement tactics and, and tricks that, in my opinion, make it the most mobile army in the game. Um, also, with, I mean, the way that you look at that list is, is you want to make sure that you're prepared for an alpha strike, um, both from shooting and assaults because of the... Uh, it's called subterranean assault, or what is it called? I'm sorry, I don't know. The, the, the subterranean assault is the, the formation. Uh, formation. It's the a cult ambush. Cult ambush. Though. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. it is. Um, 
So you know, being able to, to mitigate that charge into an you know, unbuffed Death Star is, is what I was kind of going for. And so my list has changed accordingly. I know there's a question coming up later on about my list comp. Maybe we'll get into it then if I want to try and divulge that. I haven't decided yet. <laughs> but um, what, I, what I've taken from it, though, is with those 20 points, I was able to more easily gear my army towards the, the Gene Sealer call. I, I'm actually not terrified of them. It's just that I think that the game can get away from somebody really quickly, especially with scoring, if you're not prepared to take out the squads you know, in mass and wholesale. Absolutely. So you have to kill everything, not, not down to a man. I'm talking you must kill everything in those squads. So I've added some components to take care of that. Um, Magnus actually doesn't scare me that much. He, no, I mean, he scares not certain armies. My army. Certain right. armies, yeah. But in most cases, I'm going to have as many or more warp charge than somebody featuring him in their list because he's such a big point sink. Right. Of course... There are those other lists out there that I'm seeing on the internet right now where people are just going to spam warp charge with pink horrors, blue horrors, brimstones, the the heralds anarchic formation, things just to try and get as many warp charge onto the board as possible, which is viable, but I don't really see that being a competitive way to playing it. No. I could be wrong. You know, I, I've been wrong before. I have played a couple games against that already, and I didn't have much of an issue. Um, well, I, I agree with you. I think I think there there's this idea, the gatekeeper armies... The things that define gatekeeper armies are that the players playing them take the absolute most netlisty netlist you can possibly do, and they, they take radical absolutes. Um, they maximize one thing, for example, spam warp charge, uh, spamming warp spiders. Although forty five warp spiders did win the LVO last year um, or this year. Oh no, last year. Ah, we're in two thousand seventeen yep. now. Uh, but. So, so generally, I think you're right. I think spamming warp dice is a bit of a gatekeeper army and doesn't require as much finesse as, let's say, a Gene Stealer cult list, which I think no. requires a lot of finesse. I, I mean, if you pit those two armies against each other, then, yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to be a, a, a skeet shoot for... Um, I'm sorry, a tricky shoot, rather, for, for the uh, Demon player. I think he's going to have right. a really easy time of it. But, um, I mean, that being said, um, I, I'm just... The way that I've seen the games turn out... And I'm not. I'm trying not to be too vague here, but I also don't want to try and give it away. Um, <laughs> is that it's manageable for Death Star players if they know what they're doing. Um, there, there's really easy ways of mitigating a lot of Magnus's um, strengths. Yes. Especially you know if you're in combat, for example, or if um, you're able to do a lot of multi-charging. That's all I'm really going to put out there for now. But that's that's a couple ways to mitigate that list. Okay. Um, the, the FAQ overall. I mean, I'm. It kind of, I mean, it fell in line really with a lot of the stuff that Frontline was doing with ITC, anyways. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm, I am where I am. It's fine. There's nothing in there that was too crazy, unless you're, unless I'm missing something, Pablo. I can't think of anything that would affect your list, although I don't know where you're going with your list now. Uh, but your previous Duo Death Star Chaos Space Marine list, I can't really. Uh, maybe ruins, maybe blasts being able to hit multiple levels. Yeah, I mean that, uh, that, that is might scary. hurt you a little because yep. you because you did traditionally have. Uh, for example, pink cores maybe in ruins um, or nerglings. Or nerglings. Yeah. So that might that might hurt you a little. But at the same time, that's kind of chump change, and that's just something. I know you personally, you're very meticulous with your spacing with your models. I so I think you're just going to have to do more of that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there there are ways around that. I, I mean, I've I've talked about it actually in our last time that we were hanging out mm -hmm. um, on on this podcast here, and and it was making sure that every single model is moved with intention and. I think if you can do that, no matter what army you are, I mean that that still is going to provide a lot more, you know, incoming damage. Yes. But you sh you should still 
be able to take you know the cover saves that you need things like that of that nature especially if they're like you know pink pink horrors blue horrors brimstones what have you they're still going to be pretty resilient against that kind of stuff if i need to yeah. null deploy or whatever else absolutely and speaking of brimstones they are amazing and i'm sure i'm sure you might you might have even considered running them like you know you mentioned them earlier yeah uh for a lot of armies that were using pink horrors as troop choices brimstones are a perfect fit in uh, for, you know, replacing, get, I think pink horrors are 90 points. Yep. So brimstones, you get 60 extra points per pink horror squad that you replace. And although brimstones are slightly less durable, maybe, I don't know. I mean, yes and no. I mean, you got, you got to think about this. Uh, it's, it's two wounds of base, but you get doubled out with pretty much everything. Right. right? Um, you're getting wounded on twos by most things instead of threes with bolters, but, uh, pink horrors weren't exactly terrified of bolters. Anyways. No, that's that's the thing. Is you're relying on your save, right? Right. I mean, you, it's really difficult to kill a pink horror outright with less than you know three or four squads of, for example, bolters. Yes. If if you're in ruins, you're not going to die. I mean, you might have a ton of incoming wounds, but a three up or you know a four up invul rerolling ones. I'm sorry, invul, but a, a cover save. Yes. That that's enough to stab off quite a bit of shooting. And not just that. I mean, brimstones are are good to a man. They're not going to run away. That's true. Right. So I mean, it's in the, in my list. I am using them. And they're OPSEC. That's so, true. I mean, to the last man, I'm, I'm able to still maneuver and, and get out of there if I can, you know, get up from being pinned or whatever else that I'm doing myself to, put, to up my cover save. Um, but overall, Brimstones, I think, are probably one of the best point-for-point OPSEC units in the game. I mean, I think they're I think they're better than Pink Horrors. Because if you think about it, one unit of Pink Horrors, three units of Brimstone Horrors are equivalent <laughs> of one Pink Horror unit. Right. But now you're, you're talking about... 60 wounds versus 10 right right and i know those 60 wounds don't mean a lot because they're toughness one but when you start taking into account dangerous terrain tests and uh the the psychic shriek spell mm -hmm. um and i'm forgetting one other thing i know there's one other thing that you see commonly uh that was being affected by the faq maybe it was morale i don't know i don't think so that's know. pretty much the, it yeah but basically the big things that do wounds without a strength save other than Dark Eldar, Poison Dark Eldar, which, you know, whatever. Yep. You, know, <laughs> you don't have to worry about that too much. But are, are basically Dangerous Strain Test and Psychic Shriek, which Brimstone Horrors are better at dealing with because they have yeah. more ability. If they don't take wounds. Dangerous Strain Test, I mean, it would just be difficult terrain for them. There's well, if you ever have to take, like, for example, uh, I think Magnus forces you to take Dangerous Strain oh, Test. Right, within, I don't know. It, it's, not, it's not a thing that will come up very often, but when it does happen, it, it Brimstone Horrors are better at it. I think they're better in every way for the points, is what it, it is. Absolutely. Um, and also, I mean, it's, it gives you a good bubble wrap for any of these armies that are able to charge you turn one. So a lot of, there's going to be a lot of that, I think. That's, that's something to look forward to. I'm actually pretty excited about it. A lot of turn one <laughs> charging armies will put some of the high tier armies in, in a in a state of discomfort because yeah, I you, agree. Can't, you can't start everything on the board now now it's going to be even more scary to try and do null deploys yes against somebody that can get out there and really yeah. put the hurt on you last week uh brandon and i were talking about kind of the meta shifting towards cheaper melee mm -hmm. being more of a viable thing and he's 100 percent correct and also you I think you need bubble wrapping units. Absolutely. I, I think 100%. And last year at Delvio in the top eight, there wasn't a single bubble wrap unit at all. No. And and I think that's a little bit of a lost start now in 40k. And Age of Sigmar bubble wrapping is huge because everything can charge the turn, turn one. one, the right. deep strike, or shoot you turn one or whatever. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so in 40k, I think people need to start realizing that bubble wraps are kind of where you need to go. Uh, with the exception of Battle Company, a lot of the top tier armies don't have bubble wraps. They don't have. Right. 
uh, Tau players need to start busting out their crew. Um, I'm just, just personally saying that. Yeah. I think crew are pretty good. It, you have to do something about it. They, they do have Interceptor to hide behind. They've also got a lot of ways to mitigate that stuff. Just they like do. the they bases have, being so big. They also have durable um, units that too. who can take that. Uh, but, you, you know, yeah. I think I think bubble wrapping. I think if you are uh, specifically Eldar, I don't know who Eldar can use to bubble wrap. I think Pretty much everything in their army is valuable. Yes. So anything that you're going to take away from any of the toys that Eldar players are going to lose off the bat. Right. And they're they're gonna lose a lot of them. Yeah. almost everything minus the Wraith Knight. Almost everything Eldar run die very easily to Gene Sealer Cult. Gene Sealer Cult or the new stuff from uh, the, the the Trader Legions. Yeah, Trader Legions. Yeah, Wraith Knights will die no problem to almost anything. Yeah, in I those mean, books. yeah. If you get a good combo charge in, you can make a lot of bikes run. All you gotta do is just tag in one guy from yep. those squads and make them take morale and they move and back. They're to gone. They're done. I, I mean, the best the best bet that you got is to start trying to you know make things be on opposite sides of the table. But um, even then. Um, there's a there's a chance that you know you might you might get inundated at a, at a later time or even if the guy's gonna have to split his army apart if it's that dynamic. Um, yeah, you're looking at some pretty rough games I think for Eldar players overall with the advent of the new book Trader Legions. Absolutely. And GSC. Yeah, I think that you know that that uh, cozy top spot might be coming into a bit of contention now. <laughs> Maybe we'll see though. Sean Naden, if he brings Eldar, Eldar will always have a chance. To uh, the top then you spot. know what I'm saying it right now. Then I want to play him. Oh well, you know what? That's actually one of the questions. Uh, we'll we'll get to that a little later. But on to the next question: What armies do you think will be played the most at the LVO, and which armies have fallen out of favor in the last half year? I think that Battle Company, as I've said in prior casts, is always going to be there in in force because it is the easy way to play the game, in my opinion. Um, it's true. Lot, I play lot, Battle Company. A lot, a lot of people will say Death Stars are the easy way, but I, I contend that. Highly in our format, <laughs> um, it is it is the ability to score every round with obsec and to be around through attrition at the very end of the game that wins you the game. It's not necessarily killing power or or even being able to zone somebody out because if you have something like a rhino that can tank shock, you're you're going to end up scoring or keeping your opponent from scoring. It's it's basically four points that you're playing for in any given round, your two and your opponents. So if you have the ability to do that, where you can deny your opponent. And, and score at least one, maybe two in your in your in your own turn. You're winning ITC. That's, that's true. That's, that's the way that it that's works. That's how you do it. So I think because of the way that that army plays, you're going to see it still in droves. It's going to be the most popular, most common. Yeah. Some some flavor of Marines and Space Marines are all, all, always really popular. Right. They're, they're, really they're popular. easily so the most a, popular faction. It'll be that, and then I, I expect to see a whole bunch of warp spiders and maybe like bikes or whatever, like you've seen warp hunters in an Eldar army tied. With Magnus showing up in every different shade of the rainbow, Mad That's, Chaos. Yeah, just tons and tons of Magnus players. Oh, Magnus! I thought you said Madness. No, Magnus. Magnus, Magnus the Red. Magnus the Red. He's going to be everywhere, and uh, I think he'll be probably about as prominent as as a uh, um, the Eldar players. I I think Chaos Space Marines are going to make a huge comeback. I think a lot of Chaos Space Marine players are going to come out of the woodworks. I don't think a primary Chaos Space Marine faction will make the top eight at the LVO personally. Um, or at least maybe not a pure Chaos Space Marine faction. Like you might see a Cabal faction that Chaos Space Marine's primary, but it's not going to be a traditional Chaos Space Marine list. Or you Legion won't see list. a Power Army, I'm sorry, Power Army, Power Armored Trader Legion at the top eight, in my no. opinion. I don't no. think that'll happen. That's a, but you will see a lot of Chaos I, Space Marines. I will Marines. say this, though. There is a certain someone with a certain kind of comfortable pantalone <laughs> that is uh, toying with a list right now of power armor. So that could Is it be... Alan DeHessa? No. 
No. Nah. It's probably some scrub who's never really played Chaos Space Marines. It's this, uh, it's this guy. <laughs> it's the guy. His name it's is uh, very uh, comfortable. Kames Jarmona. No, no, not me. Oh, who is it? Who no, is I'm not going to tell you. No, Uh-oh. no, no, no. no. There's, Damn. There's a really, really good player. That's all I'm going to say. Okay, well. That is, that is going to bring something, I think, that will surprise a lot of people. And uh, if he's, if he's going to stay on his game like he was last year, he hasn't really been around Uh-oh. too much this year. All right, well, I, I, think I, think I, have, I think I have a small idea, but I will leave it there. Yeah, because, we're going to leave it there. Yeah. That, oh, so, so anyways, uh, the Chaos Space Marines, I think, will come in force. And if you're not prepared for uh, Chaos Space Marines, uh, Gene Steeler Colt, and uh, who else is really, I guess, Magnus the Red Demons. Honestly, if you're not prepared for Chaos or Gene Steeler Colt right now, um, you should really think, rethink your list and yep. rethink about you, where you need to. It's not even a question. You must because you'll get eaten up in the in the you know gatekeeper right. army tables. And last sure. year, last year the, there wasn't as many. Obviously, there was no Gene Steeler Colt, but there wasn't as many Chaos Space Marines or Chaos Demon players. Really, mm-hmm. uh, you didn't see a whole lot in the top sixteen. You yeah. saw uh, there were a couple of really good Chaos Demon players that obviously were going to make the top eights or top sixteens or were favorites. So people like Pajama Pants, uh, Nick Nanavati, who all unfortunately a little bit of an upset there, but he definitely would have made the top eight Absolutely. or top sixteen. But there's good Chaos Demon players, and those players will, those players will still be around. Absolutely, they they will still be be around. It, but it'll be them plus whoever's decided to right, get right. this new uh, new swag out and do well with it. Right, and th- there'll be one person who who maybe maybe they got a little lucky or they're a little bit of an unknown name. Um, they're gonna maybe make the top sixteen with the Chaos list because they're really strong right now. Mm-hmm. So. Anyways, I agree. I think those are some of the armies you have to look out for. What factions do you think will make the top eight? So we were about to do a bet on this behind the scenes. <laughs> we found out it was probably not in the best interest Absolutely of not. anybody involved. But uh, we were thinking about trying to figure out who would be in the top eight. And we just dumbed that down to what factions do you think will make top eight. Yeah. And I, I said it would be mostly Eldar. Yep. Right? It's going to be at least three Eldar, in Ooh. my opinion. Well, just like last year. Yeah, I think it's going to be... <laughs> oh, no. One battle company only will make it. All right. Aaron A. Long. Whatever he's running. Whatever Aaron's running. Whatever Death Sorry's running. What am I at? Uh, you're at five, five right now. And then I think the last will be just Demons and GSC in any combination, so I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I like I said last week, I'm not going to release my top eight predictions yet until uh, right before the LVO in a blog form. Just, just to kind of build up that tension, uh, I have a big article series planned out, power rankings, player analysis and player profiles, my predictions. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I'm going to keep that a little hidden, but I, I have been saying that I think an orc player will make the top eight, and I'm still going to stand by that. <laughs> you can't, I think you those can't say orcs. Matt Root because he's not technically playing orcs. No, 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 Matt Root. <laughs> Matt, Matt Root, uh, anyway, it, I don't even know what Matt Root's running. I think, I, I don't know what if Matt Root is going to change his list, and I'm, I'm hoping, he did say he would come on this podcast, so we should have him on this month. Uh, but... His list, as he the list he's been winning with, will not make the top eight. Unfortunately, uh, not un- anymore. Not at all. There, there are too many Death Stars. The Chaos Demons are a really good counter to his list. Doesn't have any psychic defense. And on top of that, he's really just been getting off on strong play and being able to just dominate gatekeeper armies. It's, it's. I don't think it's that, dude. Honestly, when you play a skill army like the way that War Convocation is. You can catch a lot of people who haven't played it because it's not That's super true. common. That's off true. Guard. And his list is already uncommon for War Convocation lists. Right. I mean, it, it makes you really have to sit there and think about what his options are, mm-hmm. right? And going into any given turn, you have to try right. and you have to try and forecast what you know what he might actually use as far as canicals and doctrine and veritas. 
you have to get familiar with Warcon in order to do well against it as well. Right. Right. So that, he's just really good at beating Eldar players. That's <laughs> just he's just really really good at beating Eldar it's players. Good at killing any MSU army. That's true. That's what Warcon's all about. So. Right. So. Huh. Three what? Eldar players, huh? Three Eldar oh, players. No, I hope not. I, I that's what I think it's gonna be. I'm I'm hoping for not three Eldar players, but we'll see. I, well, I'm hoping that most Eldar players get eaten up by the GSC players, but we'll, we'll see. We'll Depends on how many Gene Stealer Cult players. Uh, by the way, guys, if you want to purchase Gene Stealer Cult models, uh, you can purchase them from Frontline Gaming for twenty percent off. Please do it. Uh, I will make sure you get your models in time for the LVO, and and if you promise me you'll beat all the Eldar players, you can. I might even help you out with the list or something. He'll give you a cookie. I'll give you a cookie. Please, Gene Stiller Cult players, it's up to you. Your only hope. Nah, come on. <laughs> There's enough Magnuses out there. That's to true. That's throw true. Those D beams down and. Uh... I'm just, I'm just really, I'm, I just really sick. I am sure a lot of people agree with me, but I'm just kind of sick of Eldar. You play warp spiders, probably. I, I know. I play thirty warp spiders. Eldar. <laughs> you know what's funny about Eldar, man, is is that it's it's one of those things like you you will uh, you will dominate. Some people you'll, you'll even maybe table some people because they're not right. ready for that firepower and right. mobility, right? But everyone but, knows they're playing against you. you no, know, but it seems like you've got that dichotomy in the player base of Eldar. Right? Yeah, you have people who know exactly what to do with them. They don't really even necessarily have to do a ton of damage to you. They just make you pay every round in points every time. Right. Right. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be a viable option, or at least as viable for Eldar armies because they're so paper thin. Right, the you know points I mean? the just... points you're killing, it's come gotten to the point where the points that you are killing aren't making up for the points that they're paying for their models. Right, their so you're you're making them pay by taking like okay, so every time you wipe out a jet bike squad, right, right. That, that's an obsec unit that's just gone. You're gonna you're not yeah. gonna have that. So people try and keep those in reserve until the end. Yes, right. That's just what they try and do. If you kill everything else on the board, which is now possible. Yep. I mean, like through combat and and jumping out of. Uh, manhole covers like yeah, GSC being just, lethal through multiple it, phases. It's now now it's one of those things where where all their players have to kind of restructure their own list, and you have to kind of say, hey, you know yeah. what, maybe maybe this isn't enough durability anymore. To but the board. to be fair, if one army did have the ability to survive that kind of restructure because of its versatility, it would be Eldar. Of course, they have everything they in have their book. There's everything not, they need. There's nothing bad in that book. Except, I don't think they have really good bubble wrap units. I don't think they have a good. Dude, guardians sheet. are fine for that. Are they? I don't, They're yeah. only eight points. Are so they? Eight, eight, right? eight or nine points, something like that. So, a, more expensive than a tactical marine squad. Hey, man, you gotta Come do what you gotta on. do. That's not real bubble wrap. Plague zombie. All the plague zombies and G or all the renegade players and gene circle players are laughing. Right yeah, now. fair enough, dude. But you're still Eldar, <laughs> so I mean, you can laugh true. all you you're, want. You're right. You're like, I pay eight points for my bubble wrap unit models, um, but I also have Eldar, and yeah, and, and like, I can oh, also just be like, okay, you killed all bad. my guardians, and now I am running to the other side of the board. That's true. <laughs> all right. So, uh, tell me about some of the. Have you okay? So, have you played any games against Gene Steel Cult for practicing for the LBL? Um, you know what? Dun dun dun. There's not a lot now. To be fair, to James is to James. To be fair. There are not a lot of Gene Sewer Colt players down here in San Diego. As a matter of fact, I don't think I there's have, any. I have a couple games lined up. Ooh, okay. Um, coming this week. Yeah, but there's. It's just. It's still such a new army. I mean, it came out in October. I had a couple conversations with Jeff in Control Robinson, who, who, who I heard is coming down for a certain tournament on the weekend. This weekend, coming Yeah, up we're going to be there in Arizona. Actually, actually, the no, IO. no. This this podcast will air after 
the the tournament the tournament so okay so it would have been last week then. right so we're recording this on the second i'm getting a little bit ahead on my recording because we're gonna have a really busy january um but yeah so so by this time we will you will have gotten more practice with gene sealer colt yeah so let, let's move into the present which is also the just past stop. just stop just stop just we're, we're gonna and we'll move into the future right now just, so, so I'm standing your, in the present right now, confused as to what I'm actually existing in. Right, but 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 your present, your present is what our listeners call the past. So we're way behind. So we need to go into the future. But the future, bef- after this podcast, probably. So yeah, I don't I'm, know. I don't, I'm I don't know now. who I am now. <laughs> I have an existential crisis going on right now. This is what happens when you play chaos. Just. Tell me what we're talking about so that I can uh, right, next, try and get it back on track. Uh, well, well, let's let's talk about some of the practice games you have had okay. so far. All right. So I played against uh, multiple Eldar players. Of course, the tons of war spiders and bikes and the whole medalist from last year on a couple different occasions. Okay. Played against war cons already this okay. year, um, and actually recently as well. And uh, doubled down on on the uh, on the games on that because I really wanted to know exactly what was you know what was available to my opponent okay. as far as um you know the tools and, and the doctrine imperatives and the uh, um mechanicals okay so i've got that in i feel pretty comfortable about those two um i've also played against brandon grant about a month ago and of course you know he's no it was it a month ago no it was longer than that and he kicked my butt again this was it at the hammer of wrath no I can't remember how long it was. It just seems like it wasn't the it wasn't the BAO, was it? That wasn't the last time you played him. I, I remember he so. beat you at the I, BAO. I know he's beaten me once since then, and it, it was again. Okay, so every time that I played against any Battle Company player that's beaten me, it was because it was turn four. Okay. Game was ending. Okay. And they had bottom of turn. Uh, and all of their fast attacks or heavy supports depending on the game never came in. So mm-hmm. I was I was unable to kill any of those game points or primary. So. I need to basically... Well, if they never come in and the game ends turn four, they die. No, I mean, they come in on four. Oh, oh, so you don't get a chance to kill them. Right. Because they come in at the bottom of the right. turn and then the game ends. Right. Got it. So, yeah. Well, you know, I mean... That's that's the one thing I, I still think I'm like, man, it's really difficult to do that. Am I playing fast enough? So I've been timing my games as well. And th- that's important. I, I found out that I'm actually a very fast player when it comes to <laughs> my, my psychic phase. Like, I mean, having as many dice as I have... You'd expect my turns to drag, and they don't. Well, I think I, I I'm not I'm not 100 sure about this, but I did stay the night once with James, and I think he was <laughs> casting powers in his sleep. It happens. So I think I think he just started just picked up a handful of dice and just started rolling dice. So th- my point is is that James, you definitely go through the motions with your psychic phase, which everyone needs to do. If there's a particular phase, your army needs to do well in. Uh, for me, it's it's in my army. It's the movement phase. I I need a good movement phase. Um, you, that's that's the that's the part of your game that you need to be automatic. Yeah, uh, it needs to be scripted and it needs to be automatic, and that's that's the part of the game that always needs to be the fastest. And then once you it get does, that, but you, that's that's your basis. Right. You don't want to get too tied up in, in doing things just because it's habit. You know, that's that's true. I mean, that's true. It's good to know what you're supposed to be but, doing. You're right. There but is a you difference need to be between, able to adjust on the fly. There is a difference between scripted and habit. Yeah. Which scripted is you can you can ad lib. Yeah, with scripting, actors do it all the time. Fair enough. Uh, but you're right. You definitely do not want to develop a habit, and there is a balance between being automatic 
and running through the paces, which can happen a lot, especially when you're losing. Mm-hmm. If you're losing, a lot of times, uh, if you go on tilt or if you're a little upset, you will just start going through the paces and yeah. you, you will make mistakes, but you won't care because, you know, whatever, you're just going into your comfort zone. A lot of times I see, I mean, me particularly, I see a lot of other demon players when they're, when they're casting powers, they tend to lean towards the one thing they know that works for them. In boxing, they call that going right hand crazy. If you land a big hit, you know, in, in one round or something right, like that, the you're right going to keep is... going back to it, right? right? And then all of a sudden, your opponent knows what you're doing, right? And now, because he knows what you're going to be throwing, he's going to mitigate it. He's going he's to make sure that he doesn't ever get hit. And they're like, oh, okay, well, okay, that's... so now the chariot's coming every turn, I got you. Yeah, I'm going to start exactly spreading what I'm like, yep, and he knows exactly how to get you out of your zone, or out of your, um, out of your comfort zone, and that's it. And you can call the whole match at that point, because he's already determined how you're going to play the rest of your game. So it's it's important not to get stuck in a rut and doing the same thing over and over and over again. There's a, I mean, for me particularly with psychic phase, that is my toolbox. I need to be thinking laterally at all times. And if anybody else is playing this year at the LVO who's listening to this, in your psychic phase, you do want to have kind of a flow chart, maybe you could call it, yeah. of what you're supposed to be doing. But you also need to be kind of thinking abstractly to see if there's any other things you can gain either real estate on on the board. Or, or where you can push somebody back or force a morale check, things like that, that maybe only take a couple dice to do. And that's when you can really nickel and dime somebody. And believe it or not, that's actually where you do your, more, your most damage. It's not what the major powers you're getting up because your opponent is going to be throwing dice at them. It's when the opponent has no dice left. Yes. Or, or you're, you're trying to force them to throw dice at something so that you have maybe more dice to cast endurance or what, whatever else. That second endurance. Because endurance right. should always be the first one. But endurance should always be the first it one. It should always, I mean, in my list. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, that's, um, that, that's kind of the way that I do my things. And, and uh, so I stick to kind of a flow. And then I also make sure that I have little extras in my, in my psychic powers that I can really nickel and dime people uh, with. Another thing that kind of goes in line with what you said that I see a lot of players do is uh, and I do, I am super guilty of this. I do this all the time. Every time I run psychic, psychers at all is if I roll a power that I perceive is not good. Like if I'm rolling for veil of time, mm-hmm. the reroll saves and I get, um, I don't know anything else. Cause I don't know that tree very well, yeah. but, uh, if I'm rolling on telepathy and I get fear, yeah. right. Or terrified, mental, terrified. Oh, or mental fortitude, mental, mental fortitude. Yeah. I, I forget about it. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna never, I'm, I'm going to put this card back in the pile and it, you don't just don't do that. No, you, and that's that's why I tell everybody to use a notebook, notebook paper. A notebook. I, or... I, I I don't like using any of the, the the you know laminated stuff with the big markers and stuff like that. It's it's too distracting for me particularly. I I don't like that. Fair enough. So the way I use mine is just in a in a notebook. Man, I write everything out in pencil by hand so that I've you know written everything I can actually see myself you know with this book right in front of my models and I know who who, who corresponds to who. So. Just, you know, a little word to the wise. That's, that's something you can do to try and uh, make sure that you have a good grasp of not just the powers that you wanted, but all the little extras that you get that can end up causing a lot of damage in the later game or, you know, in the later part of the turn. Okay, so next question, and this is an optional question for all of you guys, uh, but what are you bringing to the LVO? I know a lot of players like to keep their lists close, and that's okay. I completely understand that um, it would be kind of a bummer if you played someone who heard you heard your list and they no, prepared I, I for really it. don't care. I've decided. <laughs> okay, I, so I what, mean, what uh, you, I'm, I'm bringing my bring standard Cabal Star. Okay. Um, I'm bringing Fae Weaver. Uh, I, I knocked out uh, the Pink Horrors and the Nurglings actually also. The Nurglings were, were a really good component, but I decided to go ahead and let them go to the wayside. Okay. Um, instead now, all I'm doing is just two squads of Brimstone Horrors, and I'll tell you why. Pink Horrors, in my opinion, 
are weak now. Reason being is because if you do any kind of damage to them, they end up spawning blue horrors, right? Now, if you can kill that little squad of, of blue horrors, you're giving up a kill point. Right. Right. And I'm not cool about that at all. I hate giving up kill points for free for easy shots. That is not good. Okay. So, so I'm thinking instead, right, I'm taking two brimstone horrors. You're still going to have to put as much damage into that unit just about as you would a pink horror squad. Right. So I'm not losing really anything. I'm actually gaining a warp charge. You're against. getting, uh, you, how are you gaining warp charge? Because I only have one pink horror squad originally. Now I've got two brimstones. Oh, I see. So, oh, okay. So, yeah. and you're saving points on top of it. And that. I'm saving points on top of it. So okay. also what I'm doing, because I know that Gene Sealer Cult is going to be an issue, especially for me because there's so many MSU units, um, I've decided to throw two squads of flamers into my into my army, and they, uh, they're in an elite slot, so I won't be giving up any points for them in the scouring or in big guns never tire, which is always important when you build your list to kind of stay away from those units unless you absolutely have to take them and you know they're not going to give anything up. Okay. Um, so I've got two elite units. Um, I am going to... Add, I think it's a. How did I do it? I think actually that's about it. I think that's about it. I mean that's yeah. that's huge already. Yeah, because, I mean I still have my screamer star in there. You know my right. my, my two heralds, your, level three, level one. Right. Um, one's got the paradox, one's got the grimoire, and six screamers. So it's like a little mini screamer star. Um, and then now I'm being supported by two squads of flamers. I I just think that because the ability to deep strike, um, you know, having maybe a, a single iteration of curse search can help them get down and. Blast somebody off an objective. Three, the three, flamers. Yeah, the flamers are strength four, AP four, which is good. Yeah, I mean that's good against even war Scouts, convocation. War convocation. Yeah. Obviously, Gene Sealer Colt. Mm -hmm. Some Eldar. Yeah, and my army also doubles up on getting biomancy. So those tough three units that are going to end up having two wounds or whatever, if I can get off that that uh, enfeeble on, on somebody, I'm instant deathing people with flamers. No, that's that's pretty good. That's actually now that's an interesting note. You could cast endurance on brimstone horse. I can. Holy shit. I mean, they're, they're probably not going to get their feel no pain save. But it, it doesn't matter, but it keeps them alive it'll for the keep second them, wound. It'll, it'll, you'll have to go through 20 wounds. Yes. 20 T1, which is, which is and pretty hard to do. It is, especially if you're playing against a Death Star that doesn't necessarily need to have that. Right. Oh, yeah. If you're playing against, say, for example, a battle company and you've multi-charged a bunch of different things. Right, and they don't have anything left to hurt your Death Star. Exactly. So at that point, you can make the rest of your army, your support units, much more powerful. Right. And that is the idea. Okay. Well, I like it. Brimstone Horrors with Endurance sounds pretty nasty. Brimstones and Flamers. That's what we changed. All right. Are there any players you're hoping to get a grudge match against or anyone you hope to get to face? Honestly, no. I just want to I just want to go out there and smash everybody, to be honest with you. <laughs> you just want to go out there I, and I, smash I, I everybody. I am not going to be nice this time around at all. <laughs> like, I, I'm usually... Like, I, I've had an MO where I've been a hothead at the beginning. You know, now I've kind of shored that up. I'm going out there this time, and I, I am absolutely going to try and, and just stay on top of my game. And play as like rigidly as I possibly can, keeping my mind in the game. Right. You know, what I, mean? not, I don't mean rigid as in going in and, and not having any uh, ability to you know get to the left or the right or anything like that. I'm trying to say, I I'm going to be on my game. I'm going to take right. a page out of Jeff and Control Robinson's book and stay focused the whole time. Yeah, and he that's I mean that's obviously that's how he became such a good StarCraft player and how yeah. how he's he's a good 40k player. He's gotten that experience. But yeah, you do have to be focused and. Uh, I'm glad to hear it. Sounds like you're going to bring your A game. Yeah, no, I, I last last few times I've decided to you know get you know get a little loose and drink and that whole thing, and I think it has affected me in a negative way. So this time around, I, I'm I'm there to win. So you know, once you win the LVO though, then you can have fun exactly. for a year, right? right. You're like you know what, I I won a 400 person 450 person tournament. 
uh, I think I'm good. Five hundred, maybe by the time we get we get over there. You know? I mean, yeah, you know, if it grows, if it grows larger than that, maybe every year will everyone will bring their A game. Um, yeah. But but yeah, I, I agree. You should always if you're if you're serious, and that's something you guys will notice. The listeners, you guys will notice throughout all of these interviews, is all of these players are focused and dedicated and expect to make the top eight at Delphio. I mean, they might not expect to win um, because I think it's a little unrealistic to expect to win. And maybe not. I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not as a competitive player as James, although I'm still pretty competitive, uh, but they, they expect to do well and they expect to be the best. And you, you know that in, in that many rounds, anything can go wrong. So that's the top eight is a good landing pad for where you want to be. Yes. And then you let your your dice and your matchups, you know, kind of uh, make your course towards that that top table. And, and yep. then at that point, that's when it all comes down to like, hey, you know, I'm here. You know, I've already kind of proven myself. And you know, the pressure for me at that point, it's kind of weird. It actually goes off, right? Because I'm there now. I've already made the you know the, the big time now. So now I'm gonna you know. Then that's the brass true. Tax. People are still talking about people from the top eight Belvio, the last year's Belvio. Right. Uh, there there are people. Aaron Elong is a perfect example. He, people know who he is. Steve uh, Sisk. Steve Sisk. It, although Steve Sisk is taking a little bit of a break this yep. ICC season. Uh, though, if he ever does decide to come back in full force, people will have to keep an eye on him. Same thing on Brad Chester. Brad Chester, well, I didn't know who Brad Chester was personally, mm-hmm. but now every time I see Brad Chester, uh, he's on my radar. He's a very, very good East Coast. I think he's East Coast, or I, I've, I've seen him in a couple he's, Seen in a couple tournaments uh, on these guys. He's a very, very good East Coast Eldar player. Now he's, I think he's running Taudar. I don't know what he's going to run at the LVO. He's another good player, obviously, Pajama Pants. Alex Harrison, the guy who won the whole thing. Sean Naden. Fennel. Uh, Fennel, who, who does still play a lot. He's still, I think he's top three Necrons. Mm-hmm. But basically, those guys, those guys are known. And I don't know, I don't know what their personal lives are like, but I'm sure people talk to them, ask them about 40k stuff on a regular basis, and they might even be enjoying a little bit of that, that limelight, that notoriety, that little notoriety. I'm sure, I'm sure one of them. I think Sean Naden does. I think every time I mention Sean Naden, he he always tags me on Facebook or talks to me every time I I mention him in force on the podcast, and and I think he enjoys it a little. Sean, if you're listening to this, do you do you enjoy a, a little bit of the recognition? Just, All just the way curious. from the West Coast, from two Mexican kids. Yeah, it's kind of weird, right? Right. It's a little surreal. Uh, I mean, he's <laughs> he's a really good player, though. I, I hope he I hope he does uh, two and three wins. Um, though I don't know if I don't know. It depends on what he's running. I don't think he's gonna. I don't know. We'll see. It's tough. I, I was reading a couple of things online uh, about Nick Nanavati explaining his list to somebody and, and how it was very very strong. <laughs> um, it, it's just funny that that. Certain concepts that that guy comes up with are so convoluted or so so complicated that it takes another masterclass player to disseminate why. Oh, you're talking about Nick Nonavati <laughs> yeah, and Nick Sean Nonavati Naden. And John Naden. Yeah, yeah, that, no, that's abs- that's absolutely true. <laughs> I mean, just to have Nick sit there and, and do like the oh my gosh, like why don't you understand this to a, another group of players, right? Right, and Sean's just like I'm not even gonna bother. Like you guys just figure it out, you know, you're, or you'll see why. Yeah, you'll see why. Right? It's it's funny, man. <laughs> All right. So, uh, what army are you most terrified to play against, and what army is your absolute best matchup? Tau is my easiest matchup, hands down. Mm, all the Tau players right now. I don't yeah. care. You guys, you, they, they, if you if you think differently, then let's just get it on the table, right? It's true. Uh, so there's that, and then I think that my worst matchup currently is still Double Demi Battle Company. Really? 
still. Okay. Because I mean, the way that it works is I can only cover so much of the board at one at one given time, and if it's a multiple objective mission, and the opponent gets a second turn, and he's able to keep all of his reserves out. Right. And like, if it's a perfect storm, then it's an auto win for the for my opponent. Um, that's one portion of my list that I have yet to shore up. Um, uh, you added is, more units, I, th- I think. It, it's still. I mean, I, I understand yeah, the dynamic of my army, and it, right. it, it, it still cannot kill everything. And what it what it can do is is if you're not careful, I, I can kill a lot of your transports very quickly, and I Which think you don't that's want. you don't want that. No, not as at soon all. as as soon as I take your mobility away from you, I can actually. Not even engage you. I don't have to. I don't have to kill them all. Right, right. You just start zoning them off, and they can't exactly. get around you. Right, and then at that point, I can start to to so maneuver the Great Wall into, of China with your Death Star or whatever. Well, whatever. I mean, I can charge them as well. It's fine if I'm, mm-hmm. if I'm not doing anything else. But if it if it behooves me to to move somewhere to try and block an, an outflanker or or a reserve deep strike pod or whatever it may be, right. I'll go take care of that first because anything that's on your side of the board, I can always get back to. You know what I mean? It's it's not it's not that big a deal. Plus, um, we were talking me and Brandon Grant, who was actually here today, recording, recording the podcast, the stuff, the, recording the podcast. But, but also, us. you guys have heard last week, right? Right. Um, we were we were talking about the uh, the viability of just the way that summoned pink horrors work, and that's when you actually get the most value from them. Oh yeah, summoned pink horrors because you're already essentially wanting kill point like you're giving up a free kill point anyways but you're also getting a free unit and another so kind of bounces unit, and another free, and another free work charge. Yeah. oh yeah i i agree you pink horror summoned pink horrors got loads better um you should now not pay for your pink horrors ever personally i, I, I think don't think so, so either no i, I think they should just only take brimstone horrors and use the 60 points for something else right um, um unless you really unless you really want that t3 model I don't it's, know. it's still really good. I mean, pink horrors were never bad. You no, know, the they're, they're not. not. They're just outclassed by the brimstone horrors. Exactly. You you can't yeah. even put them in the same ballpark. No, yeah, they're not, so good. Not inter- and it's it's what's funny is because it's the exact opposite for nurglings. Yeah. Um, summoned nurglings aren't nearly as good as obsec paid for nurglings. Right. Not not at all because your summoned nurglings don't have obsec, and uh, they're free. But you you might as well just summon plague bearers. Yeah, you or, might as well summon plague bearers or right. whatever else. I mean, the thing, the idea behind this is, I mean, like a lot of the you know uh, line breaker stuff or you know the table quarters, things like that. You can you can throw these extra units into maybe a, a space that you're not really occupying with the rest of your army. That one unit is going to be so difficult to take out right. because of the other units that it spawns when you shoot at it from a range. And you can block people off and be like, okay, the only way you can engage that is by shooting it. And that's right. not a good idea. And, and in the meantime, you're running around with a Death Star right. and everything. I think there's going to be a lot of people who at some point during the game just go, I'm not fucking shooting Pink Horrors anymore. Right. I'm not going to. Right. right. Well, that's going to be frustrating. Uh, yeah. And and I think I think you're right. I think it will be really frustrating. Um, but at the same time, uh, they're not they're not the most broken thing in the game. No. Not by a long no. they're, shot. They're, they're no. just good. They're really good. They're, they're just really good. They're they're really they're gonna be they're gonna seem like a super broken thing in the hands of somebody who knows what the hell to do with them. Yes, I agree one hundred percent. Though at that point you're you're talking about layers upon layers upon layers of competition and tactics, and mm-hmm. that both players will know that that's what the pink horrors do. Both players will know that 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 player is going to summon pink horrors, and they will already hopefully put countermeasures in. To stop that, or to mitigate that, or to win the game in their favor, 
be very, it'll be very, very interesting. And w one thing I would like to say, I'd like to hop on my soapbox a little right now is that seventh edition 40 K, uh, for those of you who actually attend tournaments on the regular and talk to the competitive 40 K community, it's actually really, really diverse. It's super diverse. A lot of people like to complain about, oh, Death Stars and Eldar and yeah. Battle Company. That's it. And then you're like, well, what about Tau? And they're like, oh, Tower Broken too. And I'm like, well, what about War Convocation? They're like, oh, they too. get their free stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And then, oh, what about Gene Circle? They're like, oh, they get to charge turn one. Like, well, all of a sudden, we're, we're going into five or six different armies that you're calling strong and overpowered. And the only reason why you don't think the, the meta is, is diverse is because your list isn't in is the top. dog shit is is dog shit it, <laughs> and and then that happens all the time and it just it just kind of just bugs me a little no, because it hurts, it hurts a lot of the players that are in this competitively because that, that we, we play see, a lot yeah. we, we're on the inside well in a way we in a sense see what all the competitive builds are and how they compete against each other yes and and yeah i mean you, you do get a lot of the same armies in the same places but guess what the last maybe even like what six months have been I mean, a shotgun blast of, of different wins. That's Eldar, true. Eldar have definitely taken the top in a lot of different places. If you look at bloodofkittens.com, right? Right, That's right. a shout out to our buddy over there. Uh, tasty Taste. Tasty Taste. Yeah. And um, it's, it is still a lot of them, right? Yeah. And then yeah. Demons and Marines are tied. Right. right. So you are seeing a lot of those same ones winning. But those are small tournaments. Those are, I mean, small. They're GTs. They're not the majors. Right. right? The, the majors are pretty diverse. The major wins are all over the place. All over all, the place. Although lately the supremacy suit has won the last two majors. Right. Uh, so that's that's a little bit different. Um, I mean, still, even then, like the, you guys understand, a lot of the players in the ITC, just because we play the ITC, doesn't necessarily mean we only play the ITC. Exactly. We play everywhere, so we see a lot of the same, a lot of the different stuff where we go. That's true. Right. And it's 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 fun. It's fun to see different armies on the other side of the table. I mean. I don't ever complain about what my opponent has. I just want to play against it and win. If I don't win, I I don't blame the game or blame right. you know GW or whatever. I I just I adjust. And I think that's a huge thing. Once you can finally sit there and go, you know what? The problem isn't the game. The problem's me, right? I yeah. need to do something if I want to win, right? And then the, the next barrier is how cheesy can I actually be, or how how quote-unquote cheesy because that's what a lot of people will say right right that's that's what it comes off as at first it's not man you're just you're just gearing yourself to play a game those pieces that you love so much also are just game pieces in the end that's true i think once you can kind of do that and just realize you're playing a game that has you know movement system and all these different kinds of probabilities that you that you include in and you've kind of separated yourself from the fluff that's when you can also start breaking things down more and, and become and that is also fluent in the game. That is also a lot of where a lot of the stigma for competitive 40k is. To be fair, yep. things like uh, last year when come the Apoc allies mm -hmm. were allowed, and and you saw Nids and Demons in yep. the same list. Yep. Um, and and that's that's a fair. That was two gripe. years ago. That was oh my gosh, that was two that years was two ago years now. Ago, that yeah. was not last year anymore. That was 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, but but there and I think there are some fair gripes in in terms of the, the at the casual level. So you don't want to see that at the casual level or at the pickup game level no. um, so much. I think you want to see more fun, lighthearted. And it's the same thing for any game. If you go into a Magic of the Gathering like event, or if you go into a store and want to play Magic of the Gathering with a guy, and you bring like your hardcore hitting turn one winning combo deck, like your your legacy deck uh, or your vintage deck, against a guy with like a casual deck who just bought like sixty bucks worth of cards, and, like his deck sucks. There's got like no rares in it. Those of you who play Magic, you you're following me. Uh, basically, he's not going to have fun either. And that's the equivalent of what people are experiencing at the casual level. Uh, but we're talking right now, since this is pre-LVO, 
and and you are a competitive podcast. We are a competitive podcast. Uh, just for this month, I like I do like to focus on the casual being casually competitive, which is a very much a thing, by the way, because uh, you can be a good player and have good mechanics and good tactics and and be a solid player and still run a fluffy good list. And that, that's perfectly fine. Um, Kenny Boucher does that. Kenny Boucher is not a bad player, but he, he runs his style list. And sometimes he goes a little oh, hard. He's an excellent player. He's, he's an excellent player. Excuse me, Kenny. Sorry. Uh, he, he's an excellent. I've actually never played Kenny. Uh, so to be called an excellent player, I have to have played you. Uh, I mean, I've <laughs> seen him online. He, or, he, on his videos. That he's, Fair he's, enough. He's, he's pretty good. Right, he's pre- Kenny, Kenny Boucher is a good player, is an excellent player, but he doesn't, he doesn't, he stays true to his army and stays true to yeah. himself. And, and that's, that's the thing is that, if you're doing that, right, you can't expect to win everything, right? I mean, you can't you you can't do that and expect to be like, oh well, you know what? Um, I I don't I don't see why my army didn't perform. It, it must be that the game is unbalanced and broken, or this ITC rule set only favors this or what have you. No, it's it's because you you have not taken an optimized army, right? If you're a great player, you can make your optimized army work for you. And if you don't want to do that and you lose, it just needs to be something that you accept. I'm sorry, yeah. that's just my that's, opinion. Yeah, you're right. I, you, I just I don't I don't really feel any remorse for somebody who's going to an event, right? Even if it is, a, you know, an RTT, right? You know what you're going to go do. You're going to compete. Yes. Right. I am paying money to go play. Yeah. I am I'm paying money to possibly win something. Yes. Right. And I and I know that oh well you know some people just want to have a casual competition. I get it, but don't be mad at me. For wanting to go and win, that's, absolutely. That's the only thing I say. You know, yeah. Douchebag James. It's all good. I'm good. I'm good with that. I'll live with it. That's, well, and and I've said this multiple times. There are places for every type of gamer, and that's mm-hmm. and I'm so glad the LVO is branching out and growing up as big as it is because they are giving a place for every type of gamer. They're giving yeah. a place for narrative gamers, casual gamers, even the 40k champs. So large and massive, with so many good, amazing quality players. Even the 40k champs is um, uh, just an experience. Mm-hmm. You show up and there's so many armies and people people really go all out for the large events. It, yeah, they the, do. Their, their armies, armies are, are painted, are painted beautifully. beautifully. Uh, they they really they're really nice. They're really friendly because they're in Vegas. I mean, you're not gonna. Right. I, I rarely I didn't last year at the LVO, I didn't see anyone really get angry. No, for very long they were no. just they were just enjoying themselves. They were in Vegas having a great time. Bottom tables, top tables. Well, maybe not the. If you go in like round six of the top tables, you, you're gonna think that those players aren't having fun, but in reality, they're probably having a blast. They're having a blast. They're just intense. You they're can't, just intense. You can't let up. You, yeah, no. So I, I mean, I get it. A lot of people are like, "Well, you came here to have fun, and look how you know upset you are about you know, and I'm making that <laughs> charge." It's like, dude, I'll be fine. Like after we're finished, right, right now it still stings. I I think that's a. You know, a, a human emotion that's pretty, pretty common. Uh, yeah, and I think that's a fair <laughs> human emotion too. You're, yeah, yeah. you're, especially if you're around, if you're undefeated at the LVO, and you lose because you failed a charge roll that you should have made. Yeah. I think you deserve a little bit of salt. I, yeah. You know, I think someone should go buy you a beer. And, yeah, it's, you, know, it's, you got to go that's out tough. there. That's and, tough uh, luck, but I mean, it happens. It happens at all levels of competition yeah. for all games, like f- football, the Super Bowl. You might just fumble the ball, and it just that one time you fumble it, and then obviously happens. there's not, you know. A Super Bowl trophy at stake. It is just the LVO. Just no, we are now the Super Bowl. Of, I think we're of, the of Super Bowl for 40K. 40K. Yeah, I think. Wait. I, I think. I think so. I think if you're at, if you're in the round six, uh, round six of the LVO or the top eight, I think you should be treated like a playoff team or a playoff caliber player, yeah. or an all-star quarterback, uh, Matt Ryan 
Or maybe you're not like a Tom no, you're Brady. you're not a Matt Ryan. You're a Matt Root. Come on, dude. You're a Matt Root. Matt Root is the Matt Ryan of 40K. <laughs> <laughs> or Matt Ryan is the Matt Root of the NFL. Oh. Whoa. Whoa. Oh, we're not that big. Don't give him that much of a big head, dude. He's all the way up there in Colorado, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's, he's yeah, got yeah, a pretty, he might, gonna be good at that altitude. Yeah, he'll take, yeah off. he'll take off. All right, guys. Well, that's been the podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening. Uh, next week, I don't know who we'll have, but I'm hoping maybe we'll have a special guest who I didn't announce. Other than that, we'll definitely have to get Matt Root and Thomas Hegstrom. Okay, I'm going to announce it now because it'll be the middle of January and you guys might want to know a little bit more about the podcast and what's going on. I want, to, I want a shameless plug. Is that cool? Sure, shameless plug. Okay, so I have a tournament coming up here. It will be the last GT or possibly major, depending on attendance, on the West Coast. It will be located at Ease Games on January 21st and 22nd. Um, you can go online to Best Coast Pairings and check out the Ease into LVO event. Ooh. All the registrations can be done there online um, ahead, of, um, ahead of the actual event. And we are located... In a brewery, uh, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it's, it's a it's a game, game store, store and, a, and brewery. a brewery in one. And you heard that right. I'm talking booze on the tables. You really are going to ease into LVO with this one if this is what you're about. You know what I mean? Like you can actually get out there and do some drinking practice too. Also, big hitters should be coming. Yeah, I I, I know I'm going to be there. Although I'm not a big hitter, uh, but I'm probably going to drag Reese and Frankie out. They they have nothing to do. For, for LVO the next week or the next two It's weeks. like in two weeks. We'll see. <laughs> Frankie will be there. I don't know about Reese. I, I will do my best to drag Reese out. Although Reese, is, Reese has been having a rough time with 40K. Like he, and, he and 40K are on rocky relationships right now. And then so. uh, Brandon will be there. Brandon, um, Brandon Grant. Grant. Brandon Grant um, will be there. I think Thomas Hexamoki said he was going to try to get there. Josh Durth will be there. Another top 10. Yeah. Um, uh, not only that, Alan DeHessa, Alan DeHessa, formerly the best Chaos Space Marine player. Yeah, I know. Yeah, not Alan. By that. an Australian oh. of all people. Uh, I, I, I forgot. I forgot who it was. Adam. I think no, it wasn't Adam. I forgot who it was. Whoever it you are. That's not fair, though. He has drop bears in his list. That's not. That's not fair. <laughs> but uh, there's gonna be a lot of really great quality players there, and and the most importantly is all of those, all of the good quality players I've met. I, matter of fact, I could. I can't think of anyone in the top fifty that I don't genuinely like as a person. Wow. I, I, I that I've I never met. Thought. That's cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, cool. I mean, I mean, in general, I think. I think every year at every large event I've been to, the top eight, the top 16 players, I get to know all of them because, you know, I, I get their lists and I like getting their input and I like getting those out to you guys. But they're all just amazing, genuinely nice people. I've never just yeah. I've never just gone away from that and been like, yeah, I don't really all like right. this person. Is, is your arm broken? No. Jacking everybody off? Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyways. Ha, one, ha, so ha. one last thing um, is, is that this is the major kicker in the whole thing is that I have actually gotten the okay from Reese and Frankie to demo the terrain that's going to be used over at LVO. So if you uh -oh. want to practice on some of the tables that you'll end up being on in Vegas, um, you can get that practice at this event. It's uh, one-time use only, so wow. I'm, I'm throwing that's in my token deal. now. It is a big deal, man. You get to play on all the stuff. It's already going to be painted, the right. whole deal. Um, you can so. even Sharpie on the inside of one of the ruins and be like, Pablo was here. Something and like then, that. And then you you'll play that. on that table at the LVO, and you'll be like, oh, this is my ruin. I, I, I wouldn't suggest doing that. <laughs> Don't if do Frankie that. Frankie sees you doing that, he may castrate you. <laughs> He'll drop kick you across the room. Yeah, it's, he's, he's, not, he's not super fast, but once he gets there, he's powerful. <laughs> uh, but 
but anyways, that sounds amazing, guys. And there will also be a link to that in the blog post for the chapter tactics. If you guys want to click on that, if you're interested in that, if you're in the San Diego area, it is our stomping grounds. It should be an amazing event. I'm super pumped for it. And that's it. James, anything else? Um, I think that's it, Pablo. I'm just, I'm like standing at attention right now next to you. And I, I really need to go be alone. Okay. All right. Well, we'll go leave James alone to be with his models so he can give them a pep talk because it's crunch time. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. I meant boner. <laughs>